Thanks, Jodo. Well, welcome to Kalamunda Church of Christ or Kalamunda.church. It's great to have you here. The new branding um, is more than just a marketing tool. The branding is really about us being very much the salt and light that was spoken about last Sunday um, by your guest speaker, um, John Mez. It's funny because I, I, on, my, on my iPhone I spelt his name wrong and I had John Mex, so I called him John Mex. Hey, you are here today. Oh, you're not here next week. That's right, yeah. Okay, so just checking my diary. Yeah, so it's uh, so it is. It's about us being bold. I remember we had a preacher here many years ago. Now um, he was one of our partners. Beres may remember him, um, and he spoke here. His name was Ian Borum, which isn't a great name to have if you're a preacher. I Borum, um, but he uh, he spoke here, and when he spoke here, he actually challenged us on how we present ourselves to our community. And he said, if you present yourself badly to your community, don't expect them to think that there's much to offer here. And, it's the, and so that's why it's not just our branding, but you and I carry that branding. You see, if we present what we really believe in this place is that Jesus Christ can and will and does and is transforming lives, that's what we want to be about. And that's why our, our slogan or our little thing on the bottom says, here for you. Because Jesus came to earth for you. And he came here to earth for this community. And therefore, since we are his representatives and his church, we are not here for us. We are here for those that are not here yet. We are here for those in our community who may never step in here. We are here for those, your neighbours, who just need to know Jesus. That's what we're here for. And that's why when we put these signs up, we're saying this church is in business. And we're in business of seeing lives transformed. And it starts with us. And so as we go through this message today, as we go through the book of John, um, and we continue to go through that, my challenge to us is that if Christ is in me, what does that look like? Because we're actually believing that when Christ is in you, then your lives are different. As Jaden said, he is the great disruptor. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. So let's go straight into Scripture. If you're visiting today, um, we uh, want to encourage you to, uh, to join with us in as we read the Scripture. Because we believe that the Scripture is powerful. And God uses the Scripture to speak to us. And because of that, we're actually a little advert on the side. Next term, we are starting our connect groups. We're already happening, but we're going to have hopefully some new connect groups where we're going to be going through a thing called a program called the Bible Course. And what it is, it's for those who don't believe. It's for those who have been just come into faith with Christ. It's for those who have been walking for Christ for a long time. It's even for those who think they're theologians. Because it's a great eight-week course. That's a video course, but also it has discussion questions as well. comes with a booklet. And it takes us from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It helps you understand how the Bible works. 
how it all goes together so that when you're reading Scripture in the future, when you're studying it on your own, you will understand it and you'll get something out of it like it was supposed to be. It'll come alive to you. That sometimes we read this and we find it really hard to understand what it's about and how it all fits in. Well, this course will help you to not only understand the Bible, but to make it to help use it in a powerful way that will impact your lives. So first of all, the first invite is, if you're a Connect Group leader today, I really want you at my place at three o'clock. It has been hinted that I'm cooking. But Maggie did say she'd help me cook a sticky date pudding. <laughs> so, so if you are a Connect Group leader, I want you at my place today at 3 o'clock because we're going to go through it and discuss it and pray it. I'm going to show you how it works. Um, and next term, we're going to sign up as many people as we can to go through that course. If you aren't running a course, but you are interested in maybe having a small group, and it might only be just a couple of people. It might be a, a mum's group or it might be a dad's group or it might be just, you know what, I'd like to just come and find out more about it, Steve. Then I'd love you to come to my place at 3 o'clock this afternoon. If you don't know where I live, um, then look it up. Um, I won't give you the address because I, you'll forget it. But come and see me and I'll tell you where we live. But we'd love you to come to our place and we're going to go through what this Bible course looks like and how it's going to impact us as a church as we truly say transform lives happen when you're in Christ. And this is how we actually discover that. So we want to encourage you to come along 3 o'clock this afternoon. That's my little advert before we go into the book of John. Turn with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John. We've been going through it for the last um, few weeks now and we're going to continue right to the end of the year. It's a great book. And if you understand it right from the start, we said that John, the evangelist who wrote this sometime after Jesus' um, resurrection, was purposely writing it so that you would discover that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And not only that he is the Son of God, that you would discover that the Son of God would change your life. That you get abundant life when you understand and, we, and God, that Jesus becomes part of our lives. So we're looking at John chapter 2 today. And we're going to go through to verse 13. And as Jaden said, this is the story of Jesus the disruptor. Here it comes. Are you ready? Father, I just want to ask that as we read this word, your word, that you would uh, truly just bring things alive to us. Holy Spirit, take the word. It's the Word and the Spirit that brings life. And we ask the Holy Spirit that you will take the words that we read and bring them alive, not just in us, but that they would bring life to us. In Jesus' name, amen. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifice. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, coins over the floor, and turned over the tables. Then, go, then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Everyone say things. 
get these things out of here. He's talking about doves. And he says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples, light bulb moment, remembered the prophecies from the scripture. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. Remember I told you that, that John was actually wanting to show you signs that proved that Jesus was the Son of God? And here the Jewish leaders are saying, now you show us another sign. What's the sign? We want to see the sign that you are the Son of God and that you have authority to do this. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to rebuild this temple. I mean, it was knocked down once before. Another 46 years and you want to do it in three days? I don't think so. And you can build it in three days? But when Jesus said, but when Jesus said that the temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scripture and what Jesus had said. Today I want to talk to you about mess. I want to talk to you about a good mess, or a God mess, but this is a good mess. Last weekend, Marg and I, we were pretty busy. We were down shifting my son Chad from his farm in Kojanup over to a farm in Esperance, or just outside of Esperance. It's actually not a farm, it's a station, um, and uh, it's Bedford Harbour Station. It's a massive station, and we were shifting him over there. And I've been down there a few weeks in a row, and we've been helping him pack up. We got down there Friday night, ready to get ready for Saturday morning to pack the truck. The place was a mess. It was, there was boxes everywhere. There was stuff everywhere. There were cupboards everywhere. I walked around the house about four or five times thinking, where do you start with this mess? It's just everywhere. We went up to the shed. It was like, I tidied this, but it still seems to be an awful lot of stuff. There was mess everywhere. And I, as I looked at that, I kept walking around thinking, this is actually a bit overwhelming. But we started moving and Maggie, the great organiser, got all the boxes and put them all in, in order. Not alphabetical, but she put them all in order. There's the kitchen, there's the lounge room. Unfortunately, by the time us boys got to it, it was mixed up. But she did a good job. She tried to put some order into this mess and we just increased the mess. But sometimes we have to have a mess for us to actually see some improvements. In fact, I've heard Maggie say a number of times, you need a bit of mess in your life to people. That sometimes our lives are so straight, we need to be a bit messed up so we can get things back in order. A good shift is a good place to do some getting rid of some stuff, some extra stuff, like cleaning out your cupboard. How many people have cleaned out their cupboard? How many people's wives have cleaned out their cupboards? Yeah, not much left, is there? No. Um, it's, I tell you, if you're looking for it, it's down at the op shop, okay? So, so go back and pick it up. Um, 
Sometimes we need a good mess up. And sometimes shifting from one place to another is a good way of cleaning up. And today, this scripture that we're looking at, I think it's about Jesus coming in to say, I've got to mess things up. It was pretty messy that day when he was in there. Now, I want to just go to this scripture and find it because the scripture, the title of this message that I've given it is, It's a Good Mess. And maybe your life at the moment feels like it's a bit of a mess. Maybe your life at the moment, you're wondering, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. Maybe your life at the moment is like all these things are happening around me and, and just found out that I'm sick, and which reminds me, pray for John Slaney, who's in hospital at the moment. Just uh, for those who know John, he's going through some treatment, doing well, but let's keep praying for him and lifting him up. Um, but, you know, sickness comes into life and it messes things up, right? A new person comes into your life, it messes things up. And I want to tell you today that if you're going through a mess, maybe God's doing something inside you. Maybe he's doing something significant. Maybe he's doing something pretty miraculous because that's what he does. You see, the background of this passage, if we go into it, is first of all, this story is a bit interesting because in the other Gospels, this story happens at the end of Jesus' ministry, just before he goes to the crucifixion. And yet, John has put this story right at the very beginning of his ministry. And I think, well, why did you do that, John? Is it because it happened twice? That's a possibility. Maybe there's two accounts because John's gospel seems to focus on different things to what the other gospels focus on. The other gospels seem to focus more on Jesus saying this is going to be a house of prayer. But John doesn't focus on that. He focuses on something different. Maybe there were two events. Or maybe it was just one event but used for a different purpose. You see, if John was about telling us about who Jesus is, this is not necessarily a chronological, historical account. It's him putting in these events so that we can understand it. And you get that because the word and isn't actually in the original text. And so he talks about four things in this scripture. Um, in John, you'll notice that he starts off in chapter 1 where he's talking all about the seven different names of Jesus. And then we move from chapter 1 to 2, 3, and 4 where he starts talking about four significant um, sacred places. Like, first of all, we had the, uh, the wedding feast and the wine. And then we hear about the temple. And then we go to the rabbi, which I'll talk about next week. And then we go to the fourth sacred or religious thing, which is the worship, which is when Jesus talks to the lady at the well. And then he goes and talks about four different feasts. And so he's obviously using these stories to tell you something about who Jesus is. And so I want to suggest to you that he puts this account in there not to tell us how to run church. You see, I've, I've heard these sermons and I've heard people telling the church off, you know, don't sell things in the foyer. Because it's a marketplace and it's about how we run church. But I want to suggest to you, I don't think John is wanting to tell us that. There are some great principles, but I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about how we run church. Some people have suggested that it shows that Jesus gets angry. Well, I don't think John wanted us to know that Jesus gets angry. 
You see, I don't believe Jesus just went down there one day, got upset, got into a rage and just flew off at the handle. The reason I say that is because John purposely writes in his account that Jesus went and made a cord. He was purposeful. He was intentional. He went. He didn't just react. He purposely went out and made a cord to drive those animals out of the temple. This was a prophetic act. It was a prophetic act. It was purposeful. It was planned. It was Jesus saying something of significance. So what was he saying? What was he saying to us? And this is what I think he was saying. He was saying... We're moving the temple. There's a shift in the temple. You see, you have a look at this. He says to the, to the, the guys when he's chased all the animals out and the Pharisees and the leaders of the church of the synagogue come to him and he says what? He says to them, get rid of this temple and I'll rebuild it. And they go, you can't get rid of this temple. But he wasn't talking about that temple. He's talking about him as the temple. You see, he's saying, we've got a new temple about to happen. You see, Jesus was God in flesh. He was the new temple. The temple was the place where God was. The temple was the place where you came to sacrifice. The temple was the place where you came to pray and ask for forgiveness. The temple was the place where you went to the Holy of Holies and you sat inside and you heard what God was going to say. And Jesus is saying, this is a new time. We're moving house. We're moving from that temple to a new temple. You see, now I'm going to be the temple. And this temple, which you're going to destroy, is going to come back to life. You see, it's a movement of a temple. But I want you to go a little bit further. Because we know after Jesus resurrected, he then went and disappeared. He ascended to heaven. And he says, I must go, he said. I must go because another one is coming. You see, there's another shift of the temple. And the shift of the temple is, is moving from Jesus now to you. You see, it's not talking about this church building when it talks about the temple. This is not a temple. It's not even talking about what happens on a church service because the church service is simply the gathering together of the saints for worship and encouragement. It's actually talking about you. Come with me to 1 Corinthians. And it's 2 Corinthians 6. And this is what Paul said. This is the new temple. This is you and me. And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. You've got to do this Bible course. I hope you do this Bible course. You must do this Bible course. Because if you go through the Bible course, you will discover that right back there was the Ark of the Covenant and it had God's presence in it. And it's interesting because they lost it one day and it ended up, well, they didn't lose it, but they dropped it. And they ended up at Obadiah's house. And it says, Obadiah's family, which actually means the community in which he lived, right? The whole community was impacted because the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. When God's presence was there, the community was impacted. And then 
David comes along and he says, I don't, I want this, I want that in a temple. I want it in, I want it in a secure place, a reverent place. So he takes the Ark of the Covenant and places it in a building, which he wasn't allowed to build in the end. His son had to build it, Solomon. And it says, the glory of God came upon this building. And the presence of God was there. And it impacted everybody that went in. Here's the exciting news. Jesus, who became the new temple with the Holy Spirit in him, God in him. Jesus, where he went, demons were chased out. Where he went, people were healed because he was the new temple. And then he says, now it's your temple. Think about it. You are the temple of God. And I believe there's a time where God is saying to our country, he's saying to the church right across the world today, he's saying, I'm changing the focus. You've put your focus on services. You've put your focuses on buildings. You've even put your focus on priests. Did anyone watch Q&A on Monday night? No, you didn't? Oh. Missed it, should have a look. Q&A Monday night. Did you watch it? Yeah, good on you. So Q&A Monday night. It was also, obviously, the topic was um, Cardinal Pell and what he's been, what's been happening with him and the whole thing of him being accused um, of uh, um, sex crimes and sexual abuse and in the church. And it was an interesting comment because there was a rabbi there. He's awesome. I want to get that rabbi to church. He is, a, he is brilliant the way he pulled the scriptures apart. And they also had a lot, everybody else on that panel were either Catholics or one of them said, I'm a lazy Catholic. But they were Catholics and they were talking about how we put this trust in the, in the priest and we put the trust in the man who was representing God. And somebody said, it's time for laity to realize that they don't, they go, they go straight to God. You see, there's a change. We've got to stop looking out and start looking in because right now God is saying, I want to build you up to be the temple. You're the temple. You're the temple of God. And if you're not, if the worship isn't good, it's because your temple isn't worshiping. If the, if the preaching isn't good, it's because I'm not walking. I heard a great message the other day. It said this. This guy, I thought it was quite cool. He said, someone came to me and told me that I need deeper teaching. So he said, that's okay. The deepest key teaching I can give you is this, sacrificial love. Now, I want you to go out and I want you to love someone sacrificially so much that you can't tread water. Put yourself in a situation which you are out of your depth. You will learn deep teaching. And I thought, isn't that so true? The way we learn from God, deep stuff of God, is when we put ourselves in a place where we're out of our depth. And we're crying out to God, God, I want to suggest to your church, us, we are the temples of God. And he wants to take us into this world and to be the temple. I want to give you three things that happened that day. Because here's three things that happens in our lives where we allow Jesus to come in and to move the temple. The first thing, you tell to look at the story. He comes in. And what does he do? He gets that whip and he chases out all the animals. 
He chases out the oxen. He chases out the sheepies. He chases out everything. It was noisy. And he chased them all out. You know, there's a time in our lives where Jesus comes in. He says, I'm going to chase some stuff out of your life. And it gets noisy. And sometimes we want to hang on. Oh, hey, nobody sheep. Don't let my sheep go. And he says, I've got to let it go. Because the things that you have been relying upon, the things that you have been hanging on to, maybe it's sin, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's, it's friendships, maybe it's opinions. And he's saying, I'm going to chase that out of your temple because in my new look temple, we can't have that. Many years ago, um, it's good I've got Gene Howe here. Good day, Gene. Gene has helped me right through my life. And one of the things that Gene and I journeyed with was when we were at Perth City Mission. But when I got to Kalamunda, I'd had this great big box. And in this box, I kept all the seminars and all the research and all the, the messages and all the school programs, everything that I'd done at Perth City Mission and then at Kelmscott uh, um, Church of Christ and Youth for Christ. I kept it all in this box. It was packed. All my how to run a youth ministry. I used to do youth seminars for youth leaders. was all in this box. And when we came up to Kalamunda to shift into our new house, Maggie wouldn't let it in the house. So it had to come to my office. And it was sitting in my office with little bugs crawling in it. It had been there so long. About 20 years it had been sitting there. And one day I was in my office, I was praying, and I was waiting upon God. And I, I looked up and I felt God saying, throw it out. And I went, nah, that's the devil. Can't throw that out. That's, that's who I am. That's my life. That's my knowledge. I might use that one day. I never did. But I might use that one day. It's like, throw it out. And I remember, it was a little bit weird, but I remember picking up this box and going out to the rubbish bin out here. And I stood there for about five minutes thinking, shall I? Shan't I? Shall I? Shan't I? Shall I? Shan't I? And I threw it out. And it was like God saying, that's the past. That's the animals you've been keeping in your temple. I need to throw it out because I want to build a new temple. I want something fresh. I want something new. What is it that God is chasing out of our lives? And then he comes to the tables. And the tables were important because people were coming from all nations. And as they came, they had all sorts of different currency. And if they were going to give money, which they had to, that was part of the deal. They gave money to the temple. They had to give temple money. Because it, remember, they, it was a different currency in the temple. So they would come to the money changers. The money changers, like every good money changer, takes their little bite and they keep it. It was a business. Jesus comes along and he does two things. First of all, he wipes the money off the table. And then he turns the tables over. I find that interesting. Sometimes in our lives, God turns our tables over. I wonder if you've had some tables turned over. I wonder if you've had situations in your life and you're going, oh, this, this must be the devil because it's so bad. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm turning your tables over because I'm cleaning out the house and we're going to start a new temple. Got to turn that table over. Church, God is doing something fantastic in his church, in his city, 
and he's turning some tables over. Some of the things that we thought were sacred, he's turning over. He's turning over relationships. He's turning over um, your, maybe your job. Maybe you just lost your job. He says, I'm turning your table over. I'm turning it over. This is a new time. I'm turning it over. No longer. You see, too often, you see, with these money changes, what they did was they used the tables which they had, the finances, to bring profit for themselves. Sometimes in our lives, we use our spiritual gifts. Jaden did a great message on how you carry your gift. But sometimes we use our gifts, our abilities, our reputation, our history. We use that to benefit ourselves. Look how good I am. Look at my title. Look at my giftings. And we we take those and... Sometimes what Jesus says, you know what? And I tell you, this is honestly because I know it's happened to me. He says, I'm going to take that away. I'm going to take that away because you're owning it. It's becoming yours. I can't have my temple if you're hanging on to it. I'm going to have to tip that over because your gifts and your abilities are not yours. They're his. And if you're using it for benefits of yourself, you're just no different than a money changer. And don't be surprised if it starts not getting the opportunities anymore. Don't be surprised if, if you start fumbling at something you used to be really good at because he's turning the tables over. He said, I want you to trust me. I want my temple to be one where I can live in, not you. And then, this is the interesting thing, right? He's chased out the animals. He's tipped over some tables. And then he comes to the doves. And he looks at the doves and he doesn't kick them off. He doesn't open up the cage. He says to the people who've got the doves, he says, now let them go. He says, get them out of here. He says, you do it. He didn't open up the cages and chase them out like he did with the the animals. He didn't turn the tables over and make them fly everywhere. He actually says to the guys behind it, you do it. Sometimes there's some sacred things we're hanging on to. And we need to let them go. Because the doves were symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The dove was symbolic in those days of peace. The dove was a reminder of God's provision. Remember Noah on his boat? And he sent the dove out and it came back. The pigeon out comes back, comes back. Until one day it comes back with what? A twig. And see, there's some things that we hold precious to ourselves that we think are sacred. And we, if we hang on to them, we'll never discover the things that God wants to teach us. I wonder what that is might be for you. I know when I went to India years ago, uh, we went to India and... Uh, and one of the things in India is they have this funny idea that pastors are sort of like up here somewhere. Now, in Australia, we don't think that, right? And, uh, and I was a bit shocked because, first of all, I didn't like being called pastor and because I thought that that was a little bit weird. And so I go to India and all of a sudden it's Pastor Steve and Pastor Steve and we walked into this meeting and everyone went dead quiet. And I went, what's that all about? It's because the Pastor Steve's here. And I go, right, so? I said, well, 
you have to say the first words. We, we went to a meal and we're sitting at this meal and I'm waiting for everyone to start eating and they're all looking at me. We can't eat until you start eating. And I went, this is wrong. You're promoting people too high. This is wrong. In my culture and in my thinking and in my understanding of Scripture, that doesn't work. Until a good friend of mine who was with us said, Steve, let go of that which you're precious about. I said, but, 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 but. I said, let go of it. And I did. And I allowed it to happen because I was in someone else's country, in someone else's culture. And I discovered something that day. I discovered the art of honouring that I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't allowed myself to be in a place of honour. And I suddenly realised that honour is a powerful thing. And one thing that we don't teach well, I'm not saying that you honour pastors, that's, I don't agree with that, but what I'm saying is that we should honour one another because you are all priests. And when we honour one another, it brings life to you, the Bible says. It brings life. Not when we dishonour, but when we honour one another. When we honour our elders, when we honour our youth leaders, when we honour our friends, when we honour honour our father and our mother, when we honour each other, because God has put something special in you and in them. You are temples of the living God. You're a temple of the living God, people. And he wants to come in. He wants to clean us up. Because he then says later on that he's given us a calling. What? To go into all the world. All authority on heaven and earth, he says, I give what? To you. That's scary. But that's the truth. We're going to come into a time of of, uh, communion. And as we do, my prayer today, that as we come, maybe God's been messing up your life. Maybe God's been throwing around some, ch- challenging you on some of your opinions that you think are so right. Maybe some of your doctrines that you've been hanging on tight to. Maybe it's, it's relationships that you've been holding really tight to. Maybe it's something in your life that he says, today, today, I want to come in because we're shifting the temple. We're going to build a temple in you. We're chasing out some stuff today. (laughs) Because I look out here and I think, man, imagine each one of you are walking, living temples. All going out to the world this week. There's a little sign as you go out the gate. I drove in and out of our gate five times this morning because I just liked, great to have you here. I thought thought it was really cool, so I kept driving in and out because it made me feel good. But as you go out, it says, have a great week. I wanted to put on there, go and change the world because you see, you're a temple of the living God and therefore you're you're a world changer. You are a world changer. As we come to communion right now, maybe come and we're going to hand out the bread and we're going to hand out the cup. The bread is a reminder of his body because he came to to the earth. And John, in such a poetic way, said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And he says to us today, Jesus wants to come into your world. He wants to come into you. Well, hold on to the bread. Hold on to the cup because we're going to eat and drink this together. And the cup is a reminder that he died on the cross. Why? So that, that sacrifice that used to happen in the temples doesn't have to happen anymore. Because the perfect Lamb of God has already done that. And as we meditate right now, I'm going to ask that you could imagine Jesus coming to your temple. He's coming to your temple. Don't think about anybody else. Don't think about, about church in general. Don't think about all that stuff that's coming to you. I want you to think about you as I think about me. He comes to your temple. He's coming to your life. What things would he chase out today? What's the livestock that's been hanging around? And he says, it's time for that to go. What's the, what's the things that you've been using for your own self-interest? That song that we sang, Lord, it's all about you. So often our worship is about us and about what I've got. But see, real worship, real worship is about him. It's about him. Everything you have is yours. There's a great song that we sing about being an altar, being handing over that I surrender everything to you, Lord God. And he wants you to give everything you've got. All those abilities you think you're good at, give it to him. All those gifts that you think you've got, give it to him. Give it to him. He doesn't want it to be a marketplace anymore. He wants it to be a temple. And as you, he comes through and he's past the tables, he's now coming to those doves. Think about this. What doves are in the cages that he said it's time to release them? Those doves you've got in your cage, those opinions, those, those, those sacred things that God send me anywhere but don't send me to Africa. <laughs> that sacred thing in the cage. What is that? And maybe hear his voice. So let it go. Get them out of here. Because as you do, he cleans the house up. Later on, when he cast out a whole bunch of demons out of somebody, he said, when you cast out a demon, make sure you fit it back up again. Otherwise, it's going to double. It's going to triple. It's going to be seven times. He wants to fill your life with his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill your life with himself. He wants to put the very same power that was in the Ark of the Covenant, the very same power that was in that temple on that day when it was built, the very same power that rose Jesus from the dead, he wants to place in you. Let's just have a couple of minutes silence and just meditate on those things.
on, Father God. Thank you. That when you died on the cross, Jesus, you ripped that curtain down. You ripped that curtain down. This is a new time. This is a new place. This is a new season. This is a new temple. I want to invite you, Lord God, as we eat the bread and drink this cup and as you forgive us and you cleanse us and you make us free again, I say, Lord, would you fill this temple from head to toe that we truly will be. As it says in, in Colossians that we will truly be carriers of your glory. The Christ in me, the hope of glory. Fill us afresh, Lord Jesus. Glorify your name in the temples in this room. But as we go out today, we become your representatives wherever we go. That we might see that even just our presence, because of your presence in us, makes a difference. That you would speak to us to challenge others to step into relationship with you in a new way. Pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. As we uh, pick up the bread and the cup, oh, sorry, the cups right now. You might just want to sit there as the guys continue to lead us in a bit more worship. Or you might want to come forward and for prayer and say, I just want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit because I've been leaking a bit. You can come up the front, I'll pray for you. Brian and, and uh, Tim will pray for you. And we'd love to pray for you. Uh, or pray with you, really, because it's your prayer that he listens to. So come up the front, we'd love to do that. Um, or maybe you might just want to sit and meditate or stand with us as Tim leads us again in worship.